The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads! Quit stuffing your Spanakopita and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 247, recorded live Sunday, June 10th, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter. And now, bring the ASP.NET Masterclass on-site for your development team. Online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who's buying up all the Yanni CDs on eBay for kindling, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin, your host. We're the most on the coast of Connecticut in the United States and Richard Campbell out there in Canada. I'm on the other coast. So Richard, let's just cut out the witty banter today and I'm going to jump right into a little bit we call Better Know Framework. Yes. And what's our class today, Carl? Isn't this some weird ass music right here? (laughs) So today's class is DNS in the system.net namespace and dns domain name system obviously we probably know what that is but we may not know how to resolve an address furthermore the the resolve method which you would use to resolve an ip address in uh, earlier versions of the dotnet framework well 110 and 1.1 has been deprecated and now you use get host address so the get host address method uh returns an array of ip addresses and the IP address is also a class, which is system.net.ip address. And the reason it returns an array is should be pretty obvious, is that you can have more than one interface on a computer. Right. So uh, those uh, DNS entries that have multiple addresses, there you go. And this is always an issue when you're doing host software because – if, if host software is really good and it's going to listen to a particular address, you need to give the administrator the option of which address to bind to because there might be more than one address. And so peer-to-peer software has this problem too. You have a, a public interface and a private interface, 
and you run some sort of peer-to-peer program, and it just picks the first IP address to bind to that comes back from the list. And it's one of those things you're going to get surprised by, because most of the time when you pull back an address like that, you're only going to get one. Right. And then if you don't deal with it properly, one day you're going to get more than one. You're really going to be in trouble. So if you get more than one, basically allow the user to decide which one to bind to or which one to use. So, And if you're getting the address of a host that's out there on the Internet somewhere, then you could pretty much pick whichever one you want to connect to. And if that doesn't work, you can connect to the next one because typically that's a sign that there's some sort of – uh, you know, DNS server farm or something like that where you could connect to any one of the addresses and it would be okay. So there you go. System.net.dns. That's our class of the day here on Better Know a Framework. Richard, you have an email for us? I do indeed. And you'll love this one because it's actually all about you. Hey guys, I stumbled upon your show at some tech website and now I am hooked. Then last week I heard you guys mention about the video show. He's talking about DNR TV. And now I'm hooked to that. The .NET gotchas, which was show number three, was awesome. The throw and rethrow problem was mind-blowing. Imagine being able to pinpoint to the exact line of the exception instead of having to look around in the dark like I did all these years. I've been a developer now for five years, and I've always worked hard to write good code. But sometimes the project deadlines and the pressures force you to succumb to bad habits. Yeah. Your show inspires me to do better every day. I even ordered the .NET Gotchas book right when I was on the second video of the show. Awesome. Venket Subramaniam is a great teacher as well. I'm currently reading his Agile development book. Keep up the good work of helping us become better developers. Regards, Supriya. Excellent. And I pulled this email because I don't work on DNR TV much, so I'm interested in hearing from you, Carl, about where DNR TV is at. Because obviously, Supriya was waxing poetic about uh, uh, Venkat shows on DNR TV, some of the very first ones you did. Now you're at, what, show 70? Something like that. Yeah, well, Ven- first of all, Venkat Subramaniam is just a brilliant man. Uh, he's a professor of computer science at the uh, University of Houston, I think. If I'm, I'm sorry, Venkat, if I got that wrong on the spot, but he is in Houston and he does work at the university there. So, uh, he has been in the Java space for a long time and he also, uh, now does primarily .NET, uh, development, consulting and authoring. And, um, he's done many of the DNR TV shows. And this was one where, uh, in an exception, if you say catch, if you, if you say catch EX as exception and then throw EX and you're two levels deep into an exception handler that handles an exception that's handled from an exception handler, right? <laughs> you will only get the, the last layer of, uh, of, of context as far as the line number that the error happened on. You'll get the error from the from the last one, not the original error where it happened. So if in the first error handler you say throw, just catch and then throw, and do not specify the exception object, then you will get the uh, the actual line number where the exception happened. And that little gotcha was illustrated in DNR TV, and and it was it was amazing, and it blew my mind too. And I use that knowledge every day when I write code. So it's a really a true gotcha type thing. Exactly, and you his, won't know about this until you bang into it. And his book is just full of stuff like that. And I I got the book and I read through that and I was like, this guy has got to be on DNR TV. 
And I noticed now, I just did a quick inventory, he's been on DNR TV nine times. He has, and he's got more stuff coming up, too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, I got one more email for you. It's a real quick one, and it ties nicely into what we're talking about today. Okay. It's uh, from Johan Ho, and I believe he's from South Africa, actually. Huh. And it says, hi, guys, love your work. Thanks for the effort in disseminating our ever-growing .NET world. Any future plans to run a DNR TV on Acropolis? Well, that's funny you should ask. Yeah, funny you should ask. That's what this show is all about. This is a show about Acropolis. So we first heard about Acropolis when we were at TechEd. Right. The, The day before the show starts, I believe it was the Sunday, we have an RD summit. So all the regional directors that are at TechEd, and I think it was about 40 or 50 of them, Right. Uh, get together and Microsoft shows us a bunch of new technologies. And it was Kathy Cam actually came and did a one hour presentation about Acropolis. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, that's something that .NET Rocks listeners are going to want to hear about. Absolutely. So we got together with them at a, at a lunch table before the lunch crowd came in and uh, they went through what Acropolis is and what are the benefits and where is it and all of that told us all about it. And you're going to hear that shortly. It was interesting to do a conventional interview at TechEd. Everything else we did for .NET Rocks was a panel that we did up on a stage with a big crowd and so forth. Right. It's it's fun to just take the little portable recorder, a couple of microphones, sit with a group of folks. It's very much the kinds of discussions that started .NET Rocks in the first place. Sure. At a conference with a group of smart people talking about a technology. And we really didn't want to do what virtual tech ed was doing, which was, you know, going around and talking to people on the floor and asking them, you know, how they like the conference and all that stuff. We were really focused on what was going on on the stage. So this is a nice departure from the other tech ed shows that we're doing. I hope you like it. But first, Richard, let's talk about code camps. Oh, right. Code camps. Yeah. Run that code camp music. All right. I'm pressing the button right now, Mr. Campbell. Well, let me lead off them with the Raleigh Code Camp on June 23rd, and that's at shrinkster.com slash P-E-B. Followed by Developer, Developer, Developer. That's right. That's happening in Reading in the United Kingdom, June 30th at shrinkster.com slash P-8-0. Then there's the Code Camp South Australia in Adelaide, July 7th and 8th. And you can read about that at shrinkster.com slash PKH. Followed by the Central Coast Code Camp in San Luis Obispo, California, September 22nd and 23rd, shrinkster.com slash PWA. And finally, the .NET Summer Camp 2007 in Leipzig, Germany, September 24th to 28th. It's at shrinkster.com slash PWB. Okay, and uh, to end this off, I just want to announce one more time, Greg Brill at Infusion is still sucking up .NET developers from the .NET Rocks listener base. Uh, He's got a whole bunch of them down there in New York City right now. So if you are looking around to change jobs and you're a good .NET developer, you want to live in Manhattan rent-free in an apartment in the city for a year and uh, do the New York tour, check out the details at shrinkster.com slash kh6. All right, Richard, let's go to the interview. Hey, Richard Campbell, how are you? I am well, sir. Last day of Tech Ed. That's right. Here we are at the Red Lunch area. And we don't exactly know where we are, but we're sitting at a table with three people from the Acropolis team. The Acropolis folks came and talked to us at the RD Summit at the beginning of Tech Ed. And so I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to share with the listeners what they're up to. Because this is a new product. It doesn't even have a real name. It's only a code name right now. All right, well, guys and gal, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? 
Hi, my name is Kathy Cam, and I'm Program Manager in the UI Frameworks team. Um, in Acropolis, I'm in charge of doing the community work as well as uh, owning all the, the UI layer of Acropolis. And I'm David Hill. I'm a Program Manager Tech Lead on Acropolis. And um, I, my main area of responsibility is the, the, the component model and the application model in Acropolis. All right. My name is Nathan Enright. Uh, I'm a test lead uh, on the Acropolis team at Microsoft, and my job is to uh, manage the QA folks that are testing Acropolis. Okay, so let's just start with the big question. What the heck is this thing? Yeah, it's a good question. What is Acropolis? Um, Acropolis is a set of components and tools to help people build modular business-focused client applications. So we think it's too difficult to build client applications at the moment. So we wanted to do something like Acropolis to help people along. Uh, really, it's a, a modular system so that you can plug and play lots of different capabilities and patterns and strategies and providers together to make up a, help make up a client application. So we're talking smart client here or web client? We're talking smart client. Okay, cool. We're talking cool. client applications on the .NET framework that run on the client. And you're just simplifying what it takes to build that with the new stuff. So I'm thinking WPF, exactly. WCF. Yep. That sort of thing. Exactly. So we target um, WPF as our primary UI technology, right. and we want to leverage all of the power and flexibility of WPF and WCF, and we also integrate Windows Workflow into the framework as well, so that you can bring Workflow to define your business processes and your business rules and integrate those into your client application. And this is where the concept of a composite application block comes into play? Yes, the, uh, the composite approach allows you to modularize an application, and then you can... You can either take an off-the-shelf module or you can build the modules yourself and then you can combine them to make up the application. And uh, one, of the, one of the nice things about that is that y you can separate the development of individual modules and you can have them developed in parallel and then you can bring them together and you can assemble them and uh, make them into a coherent application. Cool. So just to add one thing, you can kind of think of it as a composite application for the client is much like uh, the new mashups on the web. So uh, a mashup on the web, they're pulling pieces from different places. Um, and on client, what you can do is you can start pull, pulling things together from uh, different parts of your organization or um, different component vendors, for example, and start building this mashup type application. Is this actually a client-centric technology or we got server components as well? It's mainly a client centered technology, but we do have some server components. One of the cooler things with Acropolis is we wanted to make the, the application more easy to manage. And so we're building in support services, things like authentication, authorization, customization, personalization. And so some of those pieces actually work on the server. So we think a lot of Acropolis applications are going to be associated with, with what we're calling a home server. It's a web server with a bunch of web services and some client components in the client application interact with those web services. So you can manage your your users and their passwords and their roles and all of the, the customization information on the central server, and the client application will automatically communicate with it and use that information to configure itself. So I got the impression from your first definition of Acropolis that this was really for building line-of-business applications, but now you're talking about home server and uh, oh. s some of these other things. Yeah, so sorry, with the, the home server is not... Uh, Microsoft home server product. Oh, it's it's, it's like the the server that the Acropolis application is kind of associated with. Okay, it's where the user would go to deploy the application, where the admin guy would go to configure the application, and all of the users for it. All right. So who's going to be using Acropolis? Is this going to be your standard developer tool, or is this targeted towards a specific type of user? 
So we think that um, from a development perspective, anybody who's interested in building .NET client applications, smart client applications, will find Acropolis really interesting. Um, there's lots of of interesting components and interesting patterns and that we use to combine those components into an application. We're trying to make it just really easy and really quick to build build an app that way. Uh, from the user's perspective, I think most people are going to use Acropolis, at least initially, to build line of business applications. So we're targeting applications like um, inventory management, order management, document management, KPI, dashboard style applications. So anybody who uses an application in an enterprise will be using Acropolis. They will be the end user of the Acropolis application. Now, do you see this as primarily like UI layer that's connected to business objects that are already written, or do you also have GUI in there to help business objects, uh, you know, bind across or or do do any kind of business object stuff that they already do? That's a good, that's a good question. We uh, the Acropolis architecture. Um, we have a str- very strong separation between the business logic and the user interface pieces. And there are a lot of benefits to that. Um, but what it really means is that your business logic can be encapsulated in components that you can reuse. Well, we already can do that with the .NET framework. What does Acropolis give us over just so standard Acropolis, components? Yeah, so what Acropolis gives us is the ability so that you can, when you have the separation of the UI and the presentation logic, um, we, we actually provide the plumbing to allow you to reskin the business logic components. Um, and we can use different UI technologies. We're targeting WPF primarily, but you can also reskin the components with WinForms. Um, and that can be done at design time. It can be done at runtime. You could use uh, Acropolis to give you a role-based application, for so example. So I guess what I'm hearing is, and from my question is really what's in the business layer that I don't already have. And the, I think what you're saying is you guys have built these business objects already with business logic that is easier to do than starting from scratch. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, what we're saying is that is that when you build your application and you want to encode your business logic, you'll be able to do that in a module that you'll then be able to reuse in different applications. And when you build your UI and your presentation layer stuff, you'll be able to build that and reuse that in separate applications. I understand separation, but I guess what I'm getting at is I can already build in the .NET framework without Acropolis components that don't have UI, and then I can hook them up to UI. That's then both are completely reusable. So what's in the business layer for for Acropolis that's any different from what I can already do in Visual Studio? So there's there's components in Acropolis off the shelf ones that allow you to plug in the authentication, authorization, personalization okay. services, so that you don't have to go and build them yourself. Okay. Um, we also support lots of different navigation patterns and lifetime management patterns. So again, you don't have to do these yourself. So the idea is that you just pick the patterns that you like, and then you can drop them into your application, and then they um, you, you can focus on your pure business logic rather than your plumbing logic. Yeah, one of the um, key advantages that I see with Acropolis is when you start a WinForms project today or a WPF project today using CIDR, for example, you just get a blank window. Um, there's no real guidance structure or um, adherence to what you do in that code. So you can do the separation today using .NET, but there's no real clear guidance on what where the business logic goes. So a lot of times what you'll see folks doing is putting business logic in click event handlers along with um, navigation logic for the application and even UI stuff there. So the Acropolis project and the Acropolis framework really doesn't force folks to put 
business logic and business components, but it, it, it provides a guidance for folks to uh, put the things in the right places. You know, what we haven't said is what team you guys are from. I mean, you've certainly worked on Project Acropolis, but your patterns and practices, right? Uh, that's an interesting question. We're not patterns and practices. Um, we're on the UIFX team. Oh, I um, see. Specifically UIFX client. Um, the UIFX client used to be the WinForms team. Right. Um, and we, we merged with the ASP.NET team, interestingly enough, and we're all under this, uh, this, this umbrella called UIFX. So you brought sort of all the UI thinking folks together. And, and to be perfectly honest, uh, WPF, is a complicated technology. There's a lot of stuff in it. So it makes sense to me that we would get some guidance around best ways to build UIs using this new technology. So sure. it sure seems to be what you're, you're offering to us. So we're actually offering more than just guidance on how to build WPF applications. Uh, we want to be able to prepackage some of the kind of more difficult things to do in WPF and be able to ship it so that um, our customers can leverage the power of WPF without writing all the code themselves. One of the things we're shipping in CTP1, for example, is a uh, uh, transition. So if you go from one kind of pain to a different pain, in which is very common in you know um, client application today, uh, in WPF you want to do any animation or transition on it. You have to have like a thousand line SAML and a code behind it to do you know the cool stuff we want to provide the way to do it like you would build a powerpoint deck right there's some pre-built ones you can choose you can configure it real quickly to what you need and we'll kind of bring the value of wpf to our customers uh, and try to shorten the learning curve it sounds like you're kind of doing what aspnet the aspnet team did for aspnet by providing all these out-of-the-box components ui components and back-end components yes so yeah so ui components are only one of uh, one type of things we're providing out of the box. We also want to provide some uh, non-UI specific components. Well, let's talk about those. There's a lot of interest in you know what what kind of uh, components are shipping in the box. So one of the uh, a good example of those kind of non-UI pieces um, navigation components. We have a system where, which allows us to plug in different navigation patterns. So there are only there are only about eight or ten common patterns that we've seen. Um, and what we're trying to do is encapsulate those so that you can just pull them into your application and use them. So you don't have to write all of that code yourself. What exactly do you mean by navigation? So navigation is the way the application flows. How does it decide when to present the, the functionality to the user, the next piece of functionality? So which pieces get activated? How does the application guide the user through a task? Those kind of things. So I'm thinking uh, insurance application filling in a claim form. There's going to be multiple pages involved. And you're going to be able to dictate that navigation sort of in a data form. So, yeah. So, so if you have um, free, a good example is a wizard style navigation. Right. So it's very common pattern. There are a couple of variations on the wizard. We want to provide components that encapsulate that. You can drop them onto your application, configure them. So the application will then guide the user through the steps of a, of a, in a wizard like process. Um, and it would go from, you know, step one to step two. And then the, uh, the things like the transitions that Kathy talked about would actually make the UI, instead of just hiding a form and showing a new form, we would actually have an animation and a transition so that the user can maintain some context where they are in the whole process. So all those different bits about how you would create a UI like that, you've just encapsulated it so that it's a little less painful to figure that out. And it, I, I would think that the interesting part about that would be to flip through a few different navigation styles or try out a couple of different 
transition styles just to see what they look like, just to decide you know, what's the best feel for your application. Exactly. You just, you just um, take from the from the menu of, of, of components and the patterns and you drop them on and you just see which is the best combination for you. And then you can go ahead then and start writing your business logic, but you might want to go back and iterate around a few times and try a few different things. And we're trying to get to the point where you can get to your business logic a lot sooner than you can today because we provide all of the plumbing. But then you can keep going around and iterating and change the look and feel of the of the application, the transitions, the navigation style, uh, the services that it uses, all of those kind of things. That sounds great. And you mentioned workflow before. Um, and workflow, I gotta I gotta assume is tied closely to navigation because it doesn't that sort of provide the whole way the application goes about doing what it does. Yeah, exactly. Workflows. Um, Workflow is a great mechanism for encapsulating business process and, and business rules. And typically you'd want to use those things to guide the user through the, through the application. So we have a navigation uh, component planned. We don't have it implemented quite yet, but we're working on it. And it will encapsulate a, na- a workflow and use that to drive the flow of the application. And the beauty of that is, is that, well, there are two, two benefits to that. One is that, um, it's, uh, the, Workflow fa- provides a visual way of defining the business process and the business rules. And the second thing is, is that it's actually pluggable in the application. So if you want to update your business process or business rules, you can just plug that into the application without having to rewrite the application or even deploy those pieces that aren't changing. So are you ready for the big news? Telerik is taking the wraps off four new product updates. RAD controls for ASP.NET, RAD controls for WinForms, the first official version of the Telerik reporting tool, and a brand new suite codenamed Rad Controls Prometheus. And you guys think I don't sleep. Telerik's tools have always been great, but I think this time they've outdone themselves. Well, here are the details. Prometheus is built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET Ajax, and it'll become the successor of Rad Controls for ASP.NET. Just as ASP.NET Ajax will be the future of ASP.NET, Rad Controls Prometheus represents the future direction of all new Telerik development tools. This new suite of controls will also pave the way for seamless integration with Microsoft Silverlight, formerly WPFE. The WinForm suite aims for the stars with powerful new grid, chart, and tree view controls. For me, it seems like a major player on the WinForms market. Another intriguing addition to Telerik's portfolio this spring is Telerik Reporting, The product introduces a new level of development experience, which Telerik collectively calls Easeability, a naturally intuitive mouse-only approach to generating Windows, Web, and PDF reports. And if that's not enough, go to www.telerik.com to check out what's new with Telerik's renowned RAD controls for ASP.NET. So with Acropolis, are we talking about a software factory? I'm going to go through some dialogues and configure what I want for my app, and you're going to spit out a bunch of code for me? Yeah, so Acropolis is very factory-like. Um, we're trying to get that um, some of the benefits of the of the software factory approach, and we're bringing them to bear on client applications. So you'll be able to take choose the components you want and assemble them. Um, but we're not just generating code in a one-shot deal. We're actually going to allow you to, to, to pick the combination of components that you want, start implementing your business logic. Maybe at this point you'd want to get the application into the hands of some users 
see what works, what didn't work. Then you'd be able to go go back and make some of those choices again. You, you described this earlier where you were able to drop new components on or different, for instance, a different transition on and then see how the app looked from there. So in your vision here, you're thinking lay down some UI components first, get a look at feel of the application, and then go in and start hooking up the plumbing and making it actually work. Yeah, exactly. So you you kind of just get something that kind of works, and then you'd, you'd, you'd iterate and evolve and get feedback, and you'd swap things in and you'd swap things out. And really the value of a crop list is it provides that modularity to allow you to do that. So it keeps things separate so that you can plug and play different things later on. So uh, why WPF? I mean, it's kind of a simple, silly question nowadays. You're doing a new project that's UI. You want to use WPF. But uh, what, what is it specifically about WPF that made your job easier? Um, th- well, WPF makes our job a lot easier in a lot of ways. Um, but more specifically, the question is why WPF? Um, we've really bought into the power of it. Um, there's a lot of capability you can do with WPF that just is impossible or, or, or just too crazy to do uh, using WinForms. Uh, we did a lot of, um, it's kind of cool, we bought, we, we've taken the pill and, and uh, um, we've um, bought into the fact where your designers work closely with your developers. And our yeah. designers are actually now um, checking in XAML to our source tree um, and we just get it. When we did, uh, when we did WinForms, for example, they would give us bitmaps and, and our developers would have to convert to bitmaps to GDI drawings. And, um, it was really, really difficult and a time consuming process. Now they give us a, a look and feel and they just check it in and, and the application gets it. The interesting con- the interesting part with this though is that they can now introduce bugs to the application. Because so <laughs> it's there. You're actually using code. You're not just using an image anymore. Well, they're, yeah, exactly. They're giving us the, the XAML directly. And, um, uh, so they're participating a lot more in our triage process, but, uh, it's definitely been a, a time saver. Yeah, I want to add another thing about WPF is that um, what we're seeing is the next generation of user experience is being built on top of WPF. They, it's a highly flexible technology where you can really build what you know what we know as client application today. You know, we can envision that we can do a lot more with it with WPF than we have in previous technologies. And of course, you know, us being a new technology, we want to focus us on. What is the most flexible technology that, that our, what we envision the next generation of client application be like? And it will be the ones that's leveraging the capabilities of WPF. And WPF has really been touted as a designer's technology. So, Nathan, in your sort of viewpoint on the XAML load, uh, that seems like the intersection point for the designer, that they're creating that XAML for you with their tools like Blend, and then you're bringing it into the uh, development cycle. Absolutely. Um, in fact, they, they, they'll just give us a XAML and we can check it into the tree and um, it's all wired up and, you know, I'll get a new theme, for example, for the default theme um, as soon as the product's built. Um, it's a, a clear um, uh, workflow between the designer and, and, and us developers. From a tester standpoint, it actually makes testing UIs a little easier too. The automation model um, in uh, WPF is a lot nicer than uh, MSAA was uh, for WinForms. Is is using Acropolis going to pigeonhole me into any particular technology or out of any particular technology that I would normally be using in WPF? Like, say, if I'm using an ORM for business objects, is it going to play nice with me, or, or is there any 
constraints that it puts on my development? Uh? No, it doesn't. Um, the separation of concerns really allows you to um, uh, utilize those uh, type of um, technologies and the, um, the mapping for your underlying business objects in services. Um, and we use dependency injection under the covers to um, uh, inspect uh, and uh, implement uh, dependency in- or you know these services at runtime. Currently, the framework in our CTP1 bits is, uh, is statically compiled, but we hope to have a configuration service um, that allow you to configure these services at runtime. It strikes me that you're going to reach a point where we're going to be able to swap in some other modules or add some new functionality to uh, see what happens with uh, trying on different versions of things. If we get a new version of workflow or if we get a totally different rendering op- opportunity. Actually, I was thinking maybe Silverlight might jump in there uh, at some point. Maybe not today, but uh, is it possible? Are we thinking in terms of uh, flex- flexible frameworks for this sort of thing? Yeah, the Silverlight thing is uh, really interesting. We're not sure how it's all going to pan out. We're trying to figure that out as we as we speak, but it'd be great if you could leverage Acropolis um, and the power of Acropolis to build an application along with the kind of delivery model of Silverlight. But For sure. it's one of those things that we, we have to go and figure out, and we're working hard to do that. Now, since you got the mic, David, um, we talked about whether this was a software factory or not, and that brings up the whole smart client software factory. Where does this fit into the equation now with Acropolis? So that's a good question. So the, the smart client software factory from Patterns and Practices um, and the Composite UI application block, um, they encapsulate a lot of the same patterns that we have in Acropolis. And I was actually one of the guys who worked on the Composite UI application block. So so we've we've taken a lot of the concepts and the patterns forward into Acropolis. Um, and so there's a lot of overlap there. And so as we go and we get Acropolis and we work towards our V1 release, which hopefully will be sometime next year, and the Panzer Praxis guys are going to provide guidance to help customers who've adopted the cab and the Smart Client Software Factory right. to move from that over to the world of Acropolis. Um, the big difference, the big difference is uh, one, we're uh, we're actually part of the .NET framework, okay. so we'll be fully supported product. And the Panzer Praxis guys have a different support model. Um, they're they're called application blocks. Um, and then, of course, we're, we're targeting WPF as our primary UI technology. They targeted WinForms. There are some differences at that level. Plus, we're actually trying to extend the kind of things that you could do beyond what the cab could do. So we're integrating things like the services we spoke about and many more different pluggable modules for the UI and for navigation and for lifetime management and those kind of things. So spark my imagination. You must have some demos that are really, really nice. Uh, Tell us what kind of things we can look forward to building with with Acropolis. Oh, we actually have a good selection of demos right now. Our most basic one, just as an introduction to the Acropolis concept, is a kind of scaled-down docker manager type application that shows you our uh, basic concepts. Uh, we also wrote a RSS reader that really showcased our UI functionality, the stuff we've wrapped up from WPF and show you how we can bring the power of WPF to our developers' uh, fingertips. Uh, next, we have another application we call the Parts Portal, where you can show hosting uh, the reusability of these parts that we've built and hosting all these different parts in an unrelated application. Parts and, of? Uh, parts of what we call the uh, reusable components in okay. Acropolis. So we, we built these reusable Sort components. of like the web parts idea. Exactly. Yeah. So um, then we have another... Wind parts, we'll call them. Parts. So... <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, and then we have another application that um, Nathan, uh, Nathan and his team wrote called the CPU monitor uh-huh. uh, that actually shows uh, the view switching because the business logic and the UI separated. We can apply several different UI to one business logic and can do uh, switching it at runtime or in the code. And then on top of that, we have an Outlook mock of the UI to show uh, how navigation work in a Craplus and see that, you know, Outlook is a very uh, component mo- uh, application, right? You have the mail and the calendar section, which are really two different components plugged into one application. And we have a mock-up of it, of the UI of it. So what we can look forward to is that we want to show a f- end-to-end line of business-like application. Currently, we're working on an expense application back in Redmond. And we, uh, the expense application will ho- have a backend database hooked up to it. And we want to show how a, you know, more typical line of business application with a backend service hooked up to it would have. Yeah. Just, uh, back to that, uh, and, and, and lifecycle application. Uh, David hit on it a little bit and I hit on it a little bit. Um, now that we're, we aligned with the ASP.NET team, um, the ASP.NET team did a good job of providing these types of services like membership roles. Um, in the Orcus timeframe, they're actually going to extend those as web services that client applications can use. So, for example, I can just have roles and membership and personalization. Uh, Acropolis plans to take full advantage of that like David mentioned with the home server, um, but other things as well that's coming out in the Orcus timeframe like data, offline data synchronization with the SQL Everywhere stuff or Compact Edition, whichever one they're calling it now. Um, but uh, <laughs> Acropolis would easily tie into that and you'd be able to take advantage of those things for your line of business apps. And, and I'm thinking uh, in terms of you really are using as many modules as, that already exist as possible. Like the, yeah, uh, when David mentioned... Uh, authentication and roles and so forth. I'm thinking, you guys aren't writing those, right? Like, we have them. We're, you're going to use what we've got. Exactly, yeah. So we, we think we've got a great set of technologies for all of the different pieces that would go into a client app. Um, it's just too difficult for developers today to kind of bring the full power of each of those to bear in a, in a coherent way. Each one of those libraries takes some days to really get your head around and get good at it. So, I mean, it's got to get exhausting after a while trying each one of them. So it is to have you bring them all together and demonstrate integration between them. is going to save me a lot of pain. Yeah. And so you can have your developers who know WPF inside out. They can focus on the UI components. The people who know workflow inside out can focus on the workflow business process components. Your business, uh, Business logic developers can focus on the business logic components. And so you can, you can separate out the development, distribute the development of your application to the people who can really best leverage those technologies. And then we allow you to just really glue them all together, bring them back in, into, a, into a single coherent application. So this sounds great, guys. When, uh, when and where can we get this? Our bits is actually available in windowsclient.net. Um, so the website is windowsclient.net work Acropolis. Um, you guys can get involved immediately, download the bits. Uh, we look forward to hearing your feedback in our forums. And uh, the link to our forums is also on that website. Uh, this is our CTP1. So it's a very early CTP, and we really, we're looking for guidance from our customers to see uh, uh, whether we're on track for our architecture. And we want as much involvement from uh, the customers as much as possible because we will roll this back into our product. So being the QA representation here, just wanted to give a little cabot about the quality. Um, we are CTP1 and we're looking for architectural type feedback. We know there's a tons of bugs, but we want to know, are the concepts sound? Um, do the patterns make sense? Uh, how does, you know, are, are we headed in the right direction from the design time experience? That's one thing we haven't talked a lot 
about today, but the, the rich design time experience for building these things. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it then. Sure. Um, so one of the, I mentioned a little bit, when you start a new WinForms application today, you get just a blank form, um, nothing really. Um, Call uh, it the word effect. The right? word you effect. Fire it up, big blank screen. Exactly. Welcome. Exactly. So um, we're going to give you a wizard. We're resurrecting the uh, the wizard that David mentioned, uh, uh, M- MFC type style. It's going to be re-entrant, allows you to enter it at any one time uh, and, and, and quickly lay out the custom um, uh, uh, look and feel of your application and some of the application services from the beginning. Um, but we're also doing this clear separation between the UI and um, the underlying business logic. So what we're introducing is an application level designer to where you can uh, design at the business logic layer layer or the um, logical layer of your application so i can i can define declaratively using XAML, not my UI, but my business logic. Um, so, for example, I can say how many parts are in the system or what components am I using declaratively. We have an actual a UI designer that spits out that declarative XAML um, and will help us make up the structure. Um, so it's a kind of a big part of the Acropolis feature. Part of the problems with the, that, that folks had with the cab um, was that it was really complicated to use and it was a big steep learning curve. Uh, we're hoping to leverage all the best practices of the cab, um, but really make it easier to build these composite applications. And part of that is with the designer. I can definitely see a need to be able to turn a bunch of stuff off and start with a smaller bite rather than firing every feature in right off the bat. Yeah, that's the goal. So we, 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 you can certainly do that. We can, we have uh, bare bone templates for just a bare bones cropless project. Um, but I think one of the things that, um, the fear is, is that we're going to do a bunch of code spit for you. And then all of a sudden you're going to have to go through and rip it all out before you can get to your application. Um, and we're really, um, keen on that. And, and, and that's the idea of this reentrant wizard. So at any point in my application, I don't, it's not just a one time shot. Not in the one way. Not one way. Yeah. I can at any point in the life cycle of my app. I can go back in that wizard and, 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 and customize it. So what do you guys see as being uh, next for Acropolis? What, what's on your plate? So we have CTP1 now. Um, we focused mainly uh, this first CTP on just getting the plumbing together, just a couple of components that you can plug and play, see how it all fits together. Um, so for the next CTP, we're going to be fleshing out, finishing off the kind of plumbing piece, try and get as much feedback as we can on that. Then we're going to be building more of these modules we're going to be introducing the workflow module and the services and those kind of things. And we're hoping to get a lot of feedback on that. So we're going to be releasing CTPs regularly over the summer. Um, hopefully we're going to beta quality by the end of the year with a view to releasing our V1 next year. Um, and so I think a lot of our effort in the last part of the project is once we have the core the core framework done, we're going to be fleshing out, building as many modules, encapsulating as many patterns as we can. Are we really going to see this as part of Arcus, or how is it going to be packaged when it's finished? So uh, we're not shipping this as part of Orcus. It will be a free download uh, on top of Orcus. So we have two parts that you can download. It will be the framework bits and uh, a add-on on top of Orcus. So there is an Orcus component involved here to integrate with the development environment as well as the additions to the framework itself. Those will be the tool set that we want to ship with along with our And framework. I just got to say before we uh, stop the tape here that I love the name. Acropolis is sort of like the meeting place, right? It's the place where things all come together. Uh, is that was that your intent when you named it? Yeah, the the guy who came up with the uh, with um, with the name. Uh, we looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was it was a, a city state where all of the different parts of the community all came together and all worked together. And we thought that was pretty appropriate for what we were what we were trying to achieve. That's awesome. And our uh, our team actually has a little Greek theme as well. Uh, if you know about the Ajax extension for um, 
It's called actually. It started off calling us uh, Atlas. So we want right. to follow the Greek theme as well. Any last words before we uh, wrap it up here? Oh, um, well, I hope everyone can download the bits and play with it, and let us know what you guys think. Yeah, and we have uh, we have some forums set up, and we have some how-to videos, and we have blogs on Acropolis. Um, so yeah, just go to windowsclient.net forward slash Acropolis and uh, get involved. I just want to give a shout out to the QA team back in Redmond, and uh, hi mom. Thanks very much, guys. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. Our guests have been Kathy Cam, David Hill, and Nathan Enright from the Acropolis team. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a